1: Welcome to Locked on Bucks, I'm your host Kane Pittman here on game day. I cannot believe I am actually saying that, it might only be a scrimmage, but the Bucks as you're listening to this today are going to be playing the Spurs 2pm central, you'll be able to catch that game. Uh, The Bucks website is streaming that, nba.com, I think we'll have it on there as well in League Pass, so wherever you watch your games you'll be able to catch that. Jim Paschke is going to be on the call and we found out today that Zora Stevenson is going to be slipping into the analyst chair, so that's going to be fun. We know Zora's been on this podcast a couple of times. I'm sure she'll be a little nervous, but I'm sure she'll do a fantastic job. We are just excited to have Bucks basketball back, and I'm excited today to have a special guest with me. I teased this yesterday. He's covered Wisconsin sports for over 30 years, so whether it's the Bucks, the Brewers, the Packers, the Badgers, I don't know. You can probably rattle off a million teams that he's covered. Tom Oates. Tom, how you doing? I'm doing great, uh, and yourself? Well, um, I'm doing okay. We were just kind of... I know, t- you're
0: not, <laughs> I know you're not here where you'd rather be covering basketball, but, you know, we, got, we have a Buck scrimmage. We have a Brewers exhibition game against the White Sox, the first one of those. So we're actually able to cover sports again. What a, what a concept.
1: Yeah, it's strange. We were just talking. I mean, we're basically doing the same thing that I would be doing in Milwaukee except I'm in Australia, but I'm, I'm still watching the games. We're all watching it online. For you, though, first of all, I I wanted to get you on the podcast for a while, but I also wanted to, I I guess, you're still working, you're not going anywhere, but I did want to congratulate you for uh, the retirement a couple of weeks ago, as I said. I mean, you've been, uh, for me as well, it sounds weird to say, but I don't know how many Australian people have been following your work over the years, but I guess I'm a little unique that I've been following the Bucks for a long time, so I've been doing a lot of reading and following all the, the journalists that are in Wisconsin. I've read your work for a long time. I really appreciate it. So uh, I wanted to congratulate you And what's the, what's the latest, what are you doing with yourself these days?
0: Well, yeah, well, thanks. I know I retired, officially retired on June 30th. Uh, but that's full-time work. I'm going to come back and write a couple columns, maybe one or two columns a week for the foreseeable future. Uh, you know, no longer employed. So I might do some radio, might do some, this and that, but, uh, yeah, just uh, just a column or two a week, and uh, maybe uh, some way, somehow try and use my experience to explain what's going on. Because, as I found in sports, in my forty-five years of covering sports in Wisconsin, uh, I found that uh, the things things happen. Oftentimes, you've seen them before. You know, different team, maybe different situation, different this, different that. But there's a lot of recurring patterns that go on in sports, and and I think experience is really important in terms of covering that because you've seen the you've seen things develop, and you know how you have an idea how they're going to turn out.
1: So what about this, though? I don't know if you've seen this as such. I mean, the Bucs, as we said, they're getting ready to play today. The bubble to this point, I I know there was a lot of people that were skeptical about this, myself included. To this point, it's worked. We're talking about a long journey, three or four months down there in Florida with everything going on, that they'll be able to keep this thing rolling. Uh, How strange is this? Because, I mean, we talk about this when when you're covering sports, and I'm very new to the game. It's only been two years for me, yourself, obviously much longer. The fun part is going to the games and seeing live sport.
0: Right. That's why we're in this business (laughs) because we enjoy sports and, and and we enjoy seeing, you know, seeing games and covering, covering games and all that kind of stuff. And there are games. It's just really interesting. This has just been crazy in a sense that there've been no games and, and, and we've had to make stuff up more than usual. If (laughs) you, you know, and, uh, there are finally games. These seasons are truncated. They're played by different rules. I mean, Major League Baseball is a 162-game season here, and it's going to be a 60-game season. The NBA, uh, you know, no home crowds. I mean, think of how important crowds are in basketball. The Bucks worked so hard to get, say, the you know the first, the number one seed so that they would have the number one seed throughout the playoffs. And and Kane, you've seen them at home in the playoffs. They're really good. They're almost unbeatable at home in the playoffs. So they worked very hard to get that, and now they don't have that. So everything's different, but it's still games. And it's still – we finally have games we can watch. And, and um, you know, the NBA is doing it an interesting way. They're they're actually going to play some regular season games to get back into the swing. and. I think this is going to be a pretty good test of which team is the best because it's it's almost like it's in a a Petri dish or so in some lab somewhere, you know, going on. And, and there there aren't a lot of external influences. It's just basketball.
1: Yeah, I think it's really interesting because last year, when I think to the Bucks last season, you're right, they were fantastic at home. And even in the Eastern Conference Finals, everyone knows, they took that 2-0 lead in that series. But it did, to me feel like once they got to Toronto and the momentum just changed a little bit, it felt like the wall, walls closed in on them a little bit on the road. That's a, that's a huge arena in Toronto. The crowd was crazy. So I've kind of been, I've been sort of wrestling with this in my own mind, wondering, yes, they'll lose the benefit of having that home crowd, but they also won't have to deal with the road crowds in pressure situations. And, and you're right. I think maybe this is the ultimate leveler in terms of simply which team is better when you take out the pressure factor of the crowds.
0: Yeah, and they, you know, they, I mean, you're right. They lost their momentum and really never couldn't get it back last year. But I think we've all seen over the years that you don't necessarily win a, uh NBA championship in your first, your first at-bat. Right. Sometimes you have to get a loss, go through some tough times in the playoffs before you figure out how to win in the playoffs. It's not easy. Everything's, as you know, everything's – totally ramped up and every possession counts all of a sudden and you know teams have to they they have to make an adjustment and you know i think the bucks learned hopefully if you're a bucks fan the bucks learned a, a really valuable lesson last year and they'll come back and you know and and make something different happen this year
1: so let's talk about some of your experiences covering the Bucs. The the first thing I'll ask is, what was the last game you covered? Was it uh, a, a Bucks game at Fiserv Forum, or was it some other some other sport? Life this season with the with oh, the this season, yeah. You know, I have
0: so many duties in the fall. Um, I cover the Packers and the Badgers in football, so I don't often get to too many Bucks games early yeah. in the in the first half of the NBA season. So. Uh, Ooh, I can't even remember what game it was, but as soon as as soon as the Packers bowed out and everything, and yeah, and uh, I took a little vacation and uh, and then I went back and went to a couple of games there. And I don't go to every game. I'm not like you. I, you know, I'm a I'm a columnist. I kind of dip in and dip out. And and uh, so I went to a couple games and then you know I was getting ready to cover the Badgers in the NCAA tournament, which was. You know, uh, or actually the Big Ten tournament, and then the and then following that in the NCAA tournament. So, uh, oftentimes I struggle to get down to Bucks games. It's about a seventy-five mile trip uh, from Madison to Milwaukee, and and uh, quite frankly, the Badgers are a little higher priority for our newspaper than the Bucks, and and so I get down when I can, and I did get down to a couple games. And they, you know, I mean, they're they're a very impressive team. They they were deep. I don't know that I, I've, I've seen an NBA team that deep in a long time. So, yeah, I, you know, I was pretty optimistic of what the Bucks could do.
1: All right, Tom. Let me jump in quickly and give a note from our friends over at Rock Auto. Yesterday, I saw my I saw my dad, and I caught up with him, and he was out there working on his car and. He looked like he was struggling a little bit. I was talking to him about parts. He wasn't sure what he needed. I said to him, just go to rockauto.com. They're a family business serving auto parts customers online and they've been doing so for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. By the way, I think this is evidence that my dad doesn't listen to the podcast. Otherwise, he would have heard me talking about this. So that's a little bit unfortunate for me. But best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals as they are for do-it-yourselfers. I spend up to twice as much for the same parts. Just go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. That's locked on in their how did you hear about us box and they'll know you came from us. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. The reason I asked you that question was because you're right. I know we see you from time to time come down there during the regular season. Obviously, the postseason is a little bit different. But from a columnist's point of view, it's been an interesting team to cover, I think, like from when I, when I try and think about what you would write about because they've been so dominant since Bud was there and stories to, to come up with It's certainly different to Bucks teams of the past where they've always felt like there was some sort of controversy or some sort of issue with the team or Jason Kidd's the coach. So how have you found this team purely from a, a story point of view outside of saying they're really, really damn good?
0: Well, I think they're, they're a good story because they have good chemistry. Yeah. It appears that their locker room chemistry is outstanding. You have a team of guys who genuinely seem to like each other, and I don't think you see that all that often in the NBA and, and, and in professional sports, for that matter, uh, these guys like each other. They're, they're, they're kind of in it to win it. And they're all, you know, and they're all pulling in the same direction. Um, they seem to have a lot of fun together. Um, some of the additions they made were good. I think Kyle Korver's an unbelievable presence in the, in the locker room. I think Wes Matthews is a good, uh, Madison guy, by the way. Uh, is, is, is a, um, a real good presence in the locker room. And I think they've added to a culture that was already really good. And I think great winning teams have great locker room cultures, uh, college, professional, whatever, however you want to club, whatever you want to look at it. It's, it's, it's so vitally important that everybody in that locker room They don't have to love each other, but they have to get along and and enjoy coming to work every day.
1: Yeah, so I've spent a lot of time, particularly during the shutdown, we, we spent a lot of time talking about the 2001 team, what happened in that locker room with, with George Carl after that period. We know through the, uh, through the 2000s, 2010 era, there was a lot of stuff going on in the locker room. But how does this team compare? I mean, obviously, success-wise, uh, there is a comparison to the 80s team, those 80s teams that were successful for so long. But do you see any comparison in that regard? I mean, what was it like back then covering the team with, I mean, it was really a star-studded Bucks team in the 80s that just struggled to get over the final hump. We'll see if this team can do it, but nonetheless, uh, probably one of the more underrated teams in NBA history.
0: By the way, I loved your interview with George Carl, your podcast. That yeah. was outstanding. I'm not a big co- podcast guy, but I, I, I listened to that one, and I thought it was really good. I appreciate that. Um, nice. There was some really good stuff in there. Uh, I thought George George Carl was primarily responsible for blowing up a team that could have com- contended for another year or two. Um, but the 80s team was really interesting. Don Nelson was a players coach, and he had some really smart players. Uh, Sidney Moncrief, Marcus Johnson, I mean, these guys were really smart, intelligent players, and they set a tone there in the late 70s and early 80s uh, it, it it was, uh, again, it was a very harmonious locker room, um, and and they all bought in to the, some of the defensive principles. Uh, everybody gives Chuck Daly credit for playing zone with the Pistons, but Don Nelson was playing basically a zone with the Bucks a few years before Chuck Daly was, and they played great defense, and they played very intelligent offense. Uh, Don Nelson was a different coach. Than he was later on with the Kings and the Mavs. He was a he was a great players coach, and he, and he he ran more of a system in Milwaukee, but he had the right kind of players to do it. They were probably just a big man away, and they also they were very good in the wrong era. You had the Sixers with Malone and Irving and Andrew Tony and Mo Cheeks and all those guys. You had the Celtics with Bird and McHale. Uh, DJ, you had the Lakers with Magic and Kareem. Uh, they, were, they were, I think, one of the one of the most unheralded NBA teams ever. And in a different era, they certainly would have won a title or two.
1: Yeah, certainly in my time, just going back and trying to watch some of those games and read about those teams, that's what I've taken from it. I mean, they were just simply unlucky that the teams they were coming up against. And I think that's why when I look at this Bucks team, I'm like, There's, there is such a window. I mean, this isn't the East four or five years ago even, with LeBron in his early 30s and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. They don't have to go through a team like that to get to the NBA Finals. They're clearly the best team in the East. Yeah, they might have a a tough battle in in the West in the Finals, but it's the NBA Finals. Come on, you're not going to walk through to a championship. But I I think that's why I I think there's such a window for this team.
0: Yeah, there's definitely a window. And and not only is is the East, as you looked at it, um, there for the taking, but your window's with Giannis. He's he's very possibly the best player in the game right now. And in the in the NBA, you need one or two superstars to seriously contend for a title. There's you can look back on history, and probably pick two or three teams over the last fifty years that won a title without a bona fide superstar player. And there's a window in that regard as well. But yeah, you're right. They got they like I mean I, there was all that talk. You remember. Couple of months ago, how they were going to throw all the teams into one pool and do the mm-hmm. playoffs. Well, the Bucks lucked out a little bit there because they, you know, they, I mean, they, the two Los Angeles teams that everyone's seen uh, on talk radio seems to think are the top two contenders. The Bucks are only going to play one of those teams, and whichever one of those teams wins, should they meet, they would then have to play the Bucks. So among the top teams. You know, the Bucs have a, have a pretty good-looking road, uh, you know, with maybe only one really elite team to beat.
1: Yeah, there's no question about that. I agree. And that's why I think I was kind of like, geez, if you're angling to do this pool setup, up, you really are just trying to say, we want the two LA teams in the NBA Finals. That's what, that's, that's what you're trying to say. That's what you want to get out of that. And it would have been a more difficult path for the Bucs. There's no doubt about that. For you, you spoke about this team. And, and we've certainly been fortunate enough to see Giannis up close. It's, it's unbelievable. And, and we're certainly very fortunate to see him uh, on a nightly basis. But over your years of covering the Bucks, in terms of the job, in terms of personalities, guys you love talking to, is there a couple of players uh, that really stand out to you that, that you enjoyed being around, speaking to, getting to write about and cover?
0: Uh, my, Sidney Moncrief was outstanding. He was, he was honest. He was open and he he was a, a very intelligent man, and, and it was fun to deal with him uh, because you know when you asked a question, you got a decent answer uh, he, he was a thought, He was a thoughtful person, uh, yet he was he was you know he was a hard edge competitor, but he, but he was great to deal with. I thought Ray Allen was great to deal with, uh, just one of the nicer guys you'd probably ever meet. Um, yeah. You can get me. You can probably get me going for an hour on <laughs> why Ray Allen didn't end his career with the Bucks, but uh, uh, you know, I, I, Annie he was an outstanding player. Uh, but by and large, uh, they've had you know fun fun uh, guys to deal with. Sam Querzel was a blast. He needed a translator because he spoke his own language, <laughs> but you needed a you know. Uh, but he was a blast to cover. Uh, you know, there were a bunch of guys. Um, Andrew Bogut was, was fun to cover. Uh, You know, I, I certainly think his career could have ended so differently had he not gotten, gotten flipped on that dunk attempt and, and blew up his elbow. Uh, he was, he was on the verge of being a, just an outstanding NBA center at that point. And I I don't think the buck, I think it took the bucks 10 years to recover from that. Maybe more.
1: Yeah, it was unfortunate. I mean, we've spent some time talking about that trade as well. I mean, when you think, you know, it's always the thing that people talk about, but the Monte Ellis, Steph Curry scenario, you've just got a guy you're trying to move that's had a history of injuries. They just got nothing back for that return. And as you said, at the time of the injury, he was, uh, you know, probably should have been an all-star that season, in my opinion. I thought he was a snub that year. Ended up being All-NBA third team. Uh, what What about coaches, though? And I say this with the thought that we've been around Bud and. Sure, winning helps because I know that there was a few people prior to Bud coming to Milwaukee saying, "Just uh, you know, just be careful. He can be a little bit prickly at times." Uh, I think the Bucks record is something like 113 and 34 in the regular season since he's been here, so there hasn't been too many times when he's been frustrated. But what about your relationship with coaches over the uh, over the years? Obviously, uh, Jason Kidd was one that stands out in recent times. That he could be a little bit prickly with the reporters from time to time.
0: yeah um Nellie was great back in the 80s he was he was always helping you out he was he would expound on things and 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 discuss philosophy and he didn't shy away from talking about players or strategy or anything he was he was terrific to deal with you know it's it's hard to judge their coaches because so many of them have come for a year or two <laughs> or three and and then been gone um, I mean George Carl's a reporter's dream is his pregame sessions with the media were, you know, were legendary. You'd sit and get him talking about anything, and and he had an opinion on everything, uh, uh, basketball related. And so so those were those were a lot of fun. But again, you had you know a lot of those coaches were just kind of here here today and two years later gone, and you know I think that kind of relates to the. I don't know that they were good or bad coaches. Um, I I, I think there was, there were talent issue a lot of, a lot of times. And, and the way Senator Cole ran the organization, I think there certainly was um, uh, the, the the general managers operated with handcuffs a lot. And and I think you can, you know, you can say, well, they made a lot of trades that didn't bring back the kind of return you want but a lot of those trades were getting out from under contracts and things like that. And, and, you know, there's so much on a general manager's mind other than just acquiring talent. You know, he has to, he has to manage the roster and the salary cap and, and, and juggle all those kinds of things. And, and he's on a budget and sometimes you acquire a Corey Maggette because you you can get rid of a worse contract than Corey Maggette had. So, (laughs) Uh, you know, you know it's, it's it's they were so mediocre for so long, and that was almost by design, I think.
1: Yes, uh, they were for so long eighth seed or Boston. You mentioned Corey Maggette, and it's bringing back bad memories of Richard Jefferson and Steven Jackson and Drew Gooden. It was a uh, it was a really rough period <laughs> around that time of watching Bucks basketball. And you know yourself, you covered a lot of average teams. Let's say that.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, part of that was Senator Cole's philosophy, which was to never be bad. Yeah, He always wanted to contend, or at least contend for the playoffs. Now, as you know, there's a difference between contending for the first <laughs> and second seed and between contending for the seventh and eighth seed. And they went, I don't know how many years, almost 25 years maybe more, without, other than, one year, 2001, where they never won a playoff series. They were in the playoffs a lot, but they couldn't win a playoff series. <clears throat> and they were just the epitome of a mediocre NBA team. And I think that was – a lot of that had to do with Senator Cole demanding that his coaches and general managers make the playoffs every year or at least attempt to make the playoffs or you know, every year instead of maybe taking a step back trying to get the kind of superstar player that they now have.
1: Yeah, the funny thing to me <clears throat> when I thought about that and, and I came to Milwaukee, the first time I came to Milwaukee was 2015, but just from being so invested, you know, you keep your eye on crowds, attendances, ticket prices. Uh, let's be honest, people weren't going to the games anyway. So uh, you could have had a season or two where you dropped out. Uh, we know eventually they did that in Giannis' rookie year and it didn't really pan out when they got Jabari Parker. But uh, did you ever think... I mean, for me, I never actually believed that this team would, would have a team like this, a player like this. You need a little bit of luck. Certainly, the Giannis selection, they identified a player, but you could never imagine that he would get to this level. And the crazy thing for me, thinking about the postseason, you spoke about those first round exits that they routinely had. When I talk about this year's Bucks team and the first round, I say, well, okay, who are they going to play? Orlando, Brooklyn, Washington? whoever it is, it's just showing up to get swept. We saw that last year against Detroit and it's ridiculous to think about. It's crazy to think about the box in that position. Yeah. We've seen that act, <laughs> exactly.
0: but it was the box. <laughs> exactly. But it's interesting. I mean, I, you know, I went back and reread the column I wrote the night they picked Giannis. Yeah. And basically the gist of it was, was that this was a total departure from Bucks drafts. Right. In the, they picked a guy, you know, they could have picked a guy who might have cracked their rotation in, in, as a sophomore or something like that, you know, and been a rotation guy. But they picked a guy with a huge upside instead of some, someone, maybe a, a college senior who could have helped them right away and get, gotten them maybe, a, a, you know, into the playoffs or something. It was a total departure from what they had done previously, I thought. And look how it turned out. I mean, it, you know, I, I think you have to take chances when you're, when you're uh, a franchise like the Bucks. Uh You know, you're not going to go sign, LeBron isn't coming to Milwaukee, okay? Um, so you have to take a few chances and go get a, get a guy who has a chance to develop into a, an absolute star. And, to get Giannis in the fifteenth pick of the draft, I mean that wasn't blind luck. That was John Hammond and Jeff Weltman identifying a player, and then having the confidence to sit there and and wait for him to fall to them. Um, how would the Bucks be different if <laughs> I don't even know who picked fourteenth that year? But if they had snapped up Giannis and and I mean I, I thought it was a really bold move on John Hammond's part, and it was as I said, it was, it was, it was different than what they had done and look where they are now because of it.
1: Yeah, no question. It was the ultimate swing for the fences. And as you said, I mean, if you're picking pick 15 in the first round, I mean, this isn't a top five pick. You you can try and go for a surefire thing in the top five, but when you're picking pick 15, yeah, I mean, go for the guy that has some upside. Giannis certainly had that. And I think that's why over the journey, I haven't been overly critical about the Thonmaker selection, even though there was a lot more question marks around him coming into the draft. Maybe he could have been there in the second round, but it was definitely the same theory. I mean, they were hoping they were going for the guy that had the high upside. I think that there was more publicity around him that maybe suggested that that was not quite the one they should have gone for, but I understand what they were trying to do.
0: Thonmaker had some deficiencies that I don't (laughs) think were fully discussed before the draft. Um, he's not a very good athlete, really.
1: Yeah, exactly. He's just
0: long, and and he's not strong. And I, you know, um, I as soon as I got to see Foundmaker, I I didn't see the potential that I saw the first few times I saw Giannis. Right. And I think it relates to athletic ability. Um, you know, he was. I mean, he was. You know, I mean, he's a good guy and smart and funny and and I think he. You know, he wanted to. He was a pretty talented player, but uh, he just didn't have. I don't think he had what it took to develop into a superstar player. And they were clearly trying to get lightning to strike twice in the same place with with the selection of him. But I, he 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 didn't have all the things that Giannis had going into the going into the game.
1: Athleticism for sure, and I I think that that became very apparent once he was playing with NBA caliber players. Because remember, he didn't even go to college. So you skipped all that. Maybe there was, a, there was a hope that he had that and never really developed. As far as this year's Bucks team, I'll leave you with a couple of questions before we wrap this up. It looks like, and everyone does a great job of this. I don't follow, maybe it's it's wrong on my part, but I don't follow a lot of the players on Instagram. So I miss, I miss a lot of this stuff. But it looks like Eric Bledsoe is on the plane. So it looks like he's going to be uh, touching down in uh, Florida pretty soon here, which is clearly... A huge uh, bonus for this Bucks team. Everyone talks about the postseason. We know he's had his struggles, but I maintain without Eric Bledsoe, this team can't win the championship.
0: Oh, I agree. I, I think I think this team needs Eric Bledsoe to play well to win a win, yeah. to win a championship. I think when he plays well, I think they are absolutely almost unbeatable. Uh, a lot, so much depends on him. Giannis is Giannis, and and Middleton. You know, prior to the coronavirus hitting, I had put together an unbelievable stretch of basketball where every night he was just contributing uh, points, rebounds, assists, uh, defense. Um, You know, and as I said before, I think they're a really, really deep team. But Bledsoe has the the ability to do things off the dribble that uh, they just don't have at other positions and they really, really need him to play well.
1: Yeah, I've always looked at Eric Bledsoe as the, the barometer for the offense because he's a guy that he, he's either aggressive or not. He sort of fades in or out of games. But you're right. I mean, when he's putting a ball on the floor and attacking the basket, whether it's passing, whether it's finishing, they, they're a completely different team.
0: And it's even more imperative this year because Brogdon had the ability to put the ball yeah. on the floor and get it to the basket. And he's gone. <clears throat> and they, I don't know... Uh, Wesley Matthews is a good player, <clears throat> but I don't know that they replaced Brogdon's ability to do that, which really puts more of a, of a burden on Eric Bledsoe's shoulders to be the guy that does that.
1: Yeah, no question about that. So as we said, <clears throat> the Bucs are playing the Spurs today. As everyone is listening to this, 2 p.m. Central Time, you can check that one out uh, online, wherever, wherever you stream your games, LeaguePassBucks.com. Uh, Giannis is playing. So, Tom, uh, it's, been a, it's been a long time since we've got to see Giannis uh, dunking the basketball. He said in the virtual press conference yesterday when asked how he was going to approach these games, he said, 100%, that's the only way I attack these games. Nobody is surprised by that.
0: <laughs> I, I love Giannis' attitude. <laughs> he's the hardest worker on the team. How many times have we heard coaches say, when your best player is your hardest worker, that's when you know you've got a good team. And, and he works hard. He's team-oriented as great as he is he, he he's a player who i believe puts winning above any personal accomplishments and and to find a superstar with that attitude is is i mean they were lucky to find a superstar to begin with but then for, to find one that has that kind of attitude i mean you know they've clearly built this team around around them and his attitude reflects I think on what we talked about before, which is the great team chemistry they have, um, a superstar can be very divisive in a locker room. And I don't think, I think the Bucks' chemistry uh, is, is due in part to the fact that Giannis doesn't have to be the man all the time or doesn't think he runs the team or, or he has to score 30 or, or it's not a good night. I, I just don't see that with that team. And I, I think it all stems from him.
1: No doubt, and I think this is for the longest period while I've been saying the guys like Chris Milton and Bledsoe and Lopez that are happy to they'll have their night. They know Giannis is the best player, and those three will sort of shuffle through and play their key roles. Obviously, Milton's going to be important. But Tom, I really appreciate you taking time here today. It's it's been a strange few months for all of us, but again, I wanted to congratulate you, and I'm glad I'm glad that you're still going to be doing some stuff so I can read your work all the way from over here. Yeah, thanks.
0: My pleasure. Again, good to see you, Keane.
1: It is it 's so strange uh, yesterday when I caught up with Matt velasquez, I said the same thing I said it 's kind of weird now that this is this is the only way we uh we get to to hang out, but uh, I guess it 's better than nothing
0: <laughs> yeah, think about the old days see you don 't remember you don 't remember the old days, but I do
1: and, yeah uh,
0: this yeah. would have been a phone conversation
1: it 's true it 's true this is nice if it's that yeah a exactly. very expensive
0: a very expensive phone conversation. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that's a good point i remember i tried to get uh ted davis on the podcast the first time before i moved back to milwaukee and he ended up texting me and says uh i don't know what's going on with my phone plan but he wants to charge me international calls so i don't think i'm gonna do this today and i said yeah listen so <laughs> listen this podcast is not worth <laughs> well, a hundred dollars but cheaper t- now <laughs> yeah no doubt about it so that's tom oates you know you guys all know him you followed his work over the years but uh make sure you still do so He may have retired from the full-time game, but he's still going to be around. Uh, Once again, as I said, Bucks and Spurs today, 2 p.m. Central. Frank will be back tomorrow, and we'll be able to actually recap a game. It's kind of strange. I can't believe we're saying that, but I'm looking forward to doing that. Until then, stay safe over there, and we'll speak to you guys tomorrow.